0: So my name is um, Nicholas. Um, as you can see, I'm one of the worship team. I'm also uh, one of the, the deacons here. And I want to share my testimony. Amen. I'm going to try to make it quick because it's a long one. <laughs> so in my 20s, I got to a point in my life, which uh, to start first, I left my home when I was like 16 so I was like by my own, living on the streets. So I was picking up all this stuff you get from the streets when you're that age on a not so, you know, good environment. So by my late 20s, this accumulation of bad things in my life got a hold of my my mind. It was something was trying to control the way I was. And I want to, it was like an oppression, like something from outside was trying to dominate me. Because I was trying to get to a point where I was trying to reject, I was trying to get closer to God. Because I was raised in the church, but I was living in this environment, which I started to reject. But in a, on a, got to a point in my life I was so into the stuff of the world that there was an oppression in my life. Something trying to control me. And I started to think about it, and I sat aside one day, and I said, I don't want this for my life. I don't, I don't, none of these things are trying to control my mind or try all these thoughts or everything that's jumping on me. I don't want them for my life. So I was thinking this is depression or, or, or depression or something because as, as the, I got to a point where I, will never, I won't go nowhere. I was just involved in this thing trying to control me. So I said, Well the only person who's gonna heal me is gonna be God. So I started praying day and night and I did it day and night and day and night while I was sleeping. I wake I I can recall myself praying. I did it for two two months, I don't even remember the time. I just I just trying to get a hold of God. So to make it short, God started talking, put in my heart to find him. So while I was searching for him. I found this church. They wanted to, wanted to people like they had this type of oppression to go there because they're gonna, they weren't going to pray for us. So I went there, and they, they actually did. The Holy Spirit came. He practically did an exorcism in my life. You know, I can feel all these things coming out, and he cleaned me. So that process happened, and I could feel the difference right away when the Holy Spirit, you feel the Holy Spirit in your life cleaning you, it will clean you. So when I left the place, I could feel the difference. I went to my car and I said, God, if you really, really did this for me, I want you tomorrow at 5.30, I want to sit in, the, in front of my house. And I want the, the first person to walk by my house, invite me to church. So at 5.30, at 5.25, actually, I remember that I had to go to sit in front of my house. And when I went out, there was nobody on the road. And I, I said, it's impossible because it's like Highway 24. There's a bakery, and it's a school, and it's like, you know, I can't believe this stuff. So I see only, I see this guy, just one guy walking on that street. And at 5, 20, 30, that person say hi to me in front of my house and invite me to church. Okay? I mean, that's what I did. My jaw dropped. And I'm looking at him laughing like... You know, it's, you know, perfect time. So, fast forward two weeks to that point. This thing, this oppression trying to come back. So, I started praying again. Praying again. And I'm telling you, I will wake up praying and go to sleep praying. And one of the mornings, I remember, I feel this oppression, you know, again. And in my room, like 4.30 in the morning, I woke up. With this heavy feeling, and I said, "God, please, this thing is trying to come back." And in the room, I heard a voice in my ear telling me, "Nikki," he asked me, my nickname?" Nikki. He said, "Nikki, why are you worried? If the Lord is with you." So I'm here, I like, open my eyes. I can hear that what he told me, and I said, "God, you're gonna let me see the angel at least, you know?" And when I when I said that, the angel, of the Lord, said, "Nikki, the Lord is with you." So when I look I didn't see obviously I didn't saw anything. But I saw it. I heard the angel of the Lord telling me not to worry, the Lord's with it. You know, so I wake up all happy. I heard you know, I was trying to have all these questions because I heard the word the, the angel of the Lord telling me that. Why didn't he say God? Why didn't he say Jesus? Why didn't he say why he said the Lord? But so the Lord's name is all over the Bible. You know, Apocalypse is said the uh, holy, holy, It said uh, the Lord God Almighty. So you know the Lord let the angel know to tell him that he was with me. So I I jumped out, you know, out of my bed, got ready for church. I, read, I ate, and all I see when I get in that church is that I can feel that preacher just like whatever comes out of his mind was for me. And all of a sudden, he says, open the book in the Bible here. Open, open it. I don't even remember what, what verse it was. He said, the angels of the Lord talked, whispered to you in the ears in the morning you know the confirmation of the lord it was right there my jo- by my judge's draw How can how can god put all these things together just to get a miserable man like me to let him know that he's there for me you know so that was my testimony then i pursued him and i obviously gave my life to christ Why
1: would Jesus want a miserable man like me? Amen? Oh, he's unbelievable. Thank you, Nikki. Well, welcome, everyone. And this morning, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. And in doing so, our goal is to remember what Jesus, our Savior, has done for us. And that's why we do it, and that's why we should do it, and that is to remember Over the last several weeks, we as a church have been looking closely at what our relationship with the Lord should be, both personally and corporately. And it has been made clear that it's not about religion. In other words, it's not about doing the Christian duty. But rather, it's about a love relationship that comes from our heart. Now, I can only hope that everyone in this room that's listening to me this morning has experienced a loving relationship at some time in your life. I would hope for you that you're in a loving relationship now. Now, before we go any farther, I want everybody to identify the person that comes to your mind when you think of your loving Relationship Now you may be in more than one, but pick the number one, okay? got a name, think about him. think about her or him. For our married folks, I trust that your wife or husband is that person, and for those of you single folks, well, it could be a close relative, could be a mom or a dad or or even a brother or sister, or your loving relationship might be a, your very best friend, okay. So that person that you're in a loving relationship with, have you identified them in your mind? Have you got a name? This shouldn't take that long. I mean, if we're in a loving relationship, that name should come to your mind. So, now, if I were to ask you to describe, in in, in your words or in words that you would use, to describe what that loving relationship looks like, and or feels like to you, what words or attitudes would you use to describe that relationship? You know I'm going somewhere with this. So those of you that have inserts or just a blank piece of paper, I want to give you some give you some space here at the top of your insert. It said words to describe your loving relationship. I want you to just go, go along with me here. This is, I think this is going to be good and beneficial for you. So I want you to take the time, just now, just even for a minute, okay? Write down in your words some of the words that would describe that loving relationship or describe that person you're in that relationship with. Go ahead. I've done my homework. I wrote mine down, and I'm going to give you time to do it somebody that you just love and you know loves you. So what are some of those words that you would write down or even think about? And I'm going to encourage you to write down more than one word. I mean, I know sometimes you think you can describe that in one word, but Okay, now I I would hope at some point in your conversation, in your mind's eye, the word love will come up, will be part of that. He loves me, or she loves me, or I love him, or I love her. And I imagine that also words like dedication and commitment might be included as descriptive words. Or how about some action words like... Selflessness. Patience. I'm so glad my wife is patient. Understanding. How about supporting? Forgiving? Encouraging? These are just a few. And aren't these wonderful words that describe a loving relationship or the person that's in that loving relationship? How are you doing so far? Testing, one, two. How you doing so far? This is an interactive sermon, okay? You see, the goal here this morning is for each of us to truly see and understand how our love relationship with Jesus compares to the most loving relationship we have with another human being. And I want each of us to leave here this morning with a clear picture of what our love relationship with Jesus really looks like and how it compares. Now, if you're a picture learner like I am, then what we're doing right now is going to help you to truly quantify or, in so many words, get a clear picture of the reality of your current relationship with Jesus. Let me give you an example. The person I'm in a true loving relationship with is my most precious friend and soulmate, Jerry, my wife. In March of 2019, just six months from now, we will celebrate our 45th wedding anniversary. God bless her for putting up with me. I can't imagine life without her. I just can't. And I can't remember much either without her. I tell you, when she gets more than about uh, a few yards from me, I've lost 75% of my memory. <laughs> now, the words, I love you, are exchanged daily in our home. But what gives those words their value? You can see... In America, we throw that word, I love you, around a lot. And it's gotten so it's so cheap. But when we say those words, I love you, in our home, the real value of those comes from the descriptors of our relationship, like dedication, commitment, selflessness, patience, understanding, supporting, forgiveness, and encouragement. Oh, and I might add at this point, luck has nothing to do with it. And the reason I bring that up is because many times, as I've shared with some of the younger folks, in fact, there was a young, young uh, girl working in the ER the other day in her early 20s, and we got in a discussion. I said, I've been married 44 years. She goes, that's twice as long as I've been alive. I said, it's wonderful. And you get this comment, you're so lucky. Now, how many of you know that it's not built on luck? Uh, Thank you. It's built on hard work, give and take. We've both changed over the years. I think I've changed more. But we've both changed. And so it's not built on luck. It's built on these words. These are action words that give the I love yous their real power and their clout. You know when somebody tells you they love you and you know them, that I love you means a lot more. Now, I want to assure you that this sermon is not about Jerry and me and our love affair. But it is what God has used to help me better understand where my love relationship with him truly stands. And I want to share something that happened to me during my quiet time some time back. It happened right after I just finished telling God That I loved him. How much I loved him. And that particular morning, he decided to challenge me. Oh, yeah. He challenged me to truly see how my conversation and my actions differed. Here's how the conversation went. For instance, he said, you love to spend time with Jerry, right? Yes, sir. And your thoughts are often about her and what matters to her and how much she means to you and and that you like spending time with her, right? Yes, sir. And it doesn't really matter what the two of you are doing as long as you're together, right? Yes, sir. And you love her with all your heart and you would do anything for her? Yes, sir. Well, you just told me that you love me. So, so do you love me as much as you love Jerry? No, sir. Paul, do you understand how much I love you? Do you understand that I loved you so much that I died for you? You, Paul. You do understand that not only should you love me as much as you love Jerry, but you should love me more than you love Jerry. And if that's not the case, then that makes her an idol in your life. Oh, God. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Thank you for loving me enough to show me this so I could understand it. And please, please don't take her from me. Please teach me how to love you like you love me. The title of this morning's sermon is Love in Return. Well, I want us to look at the love that God has given us and wants to give us. Let's just take a look at this for a moment. So let's start by asking some questions and answering them with the word of God. Okay, here we go. First question. How much does God love you? Now, by the way, this sermon is all about you. That should sit real good with most of us. Come on now. It's about me. Yes, it's about you. Well, God, how much does God love you? Well, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's probably one of the most commonly known verses in all of the word of God. So what that is telling us that God loves you so much, he gave his best, very best, which is his son, his only son for you. Well, to what extent has he gone to show you his love? I mean, how far has he gone? John chapter 15 tells us, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for a friend. So in other words, there's no greater way to show love than to give your life so someone else can live. Well, how unconditional is his love for you? Because, you know, our love is often conditional. If you love me, I'll love you. If you're not too mean to me, I'll try to love you. Hello? Yeah, that's conditional. It's based on certain things, certain requirements. But how unconditional is his love for you? Well, Romans 5 tells us, for God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died on the cross for us. Now, you know what that tells me? It tells me this. God's unconditional love made him take the risk of dying for you before you knew him. A while I was, before I ever knew him, while I was still a sinner, he died for me. Well, who can be rescued by this love? <laughs> a mean old sinner like you and me, brother. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's for everyone. This love is for everyone. See, God is no respecter of persons. Everyone is loved, even the ones who are not lovable. He loves all of us. So often we think, well, I know why he would love me. Yeah, okay. Well, how long will his love last? You know, love comes and goes in our life, doesn't it? That conditional love depends on how things go or don't go. How many of you thought you were in love at one point and realized it wasn't love? Yeah. It really lets you down. How long will His love last? I have loved you with an everlasting love. See, that word everlasting or the words eternal or forever, we can't grasp that because nothing in this life is forever. God said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. In other words, his love for you, we're still talking about you. His love for you will never end or change. Why why he would love a sinner like me is beyond me. But that's what makes his grace so appealing. Because he gives it, not because of any works of righteousness which we have done, but by his grace. All of us meet him at the same place. Well, how big and tall is God's love? Well, Paul writes in Ephesians, and I love this. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? And know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's love, I, I picture it. Again, I'm a picture learner. How many of you have ever seen the Redwoods? I've seen pictures of them. I'd love to stand at the base of a redwood. They're magnificent. In fact, I've seen the picture you may have too, where that one's so big that they, they made a, a like a road going through. You can drive your car through them. Okay. Here's what I picture when I, I see how big and tall God's love is. It's this redwood. And all the branches on that redwood are full of his love for you. Come on now. For you. Can anything separate us from God's love? There's, there's a false doctrine that tells us that you can. But it's not in the Bible. Said, can I can run away from God. You might run, but you can't hide. Ask Jonah. Okay? So can anything separate you from God's love? Now listen, this is the word of God. Everything I'm sharing with you this morning is coming from God's word. If you believe it, then build on it. If you don't, can't help you. Here's what he says. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, the greatest protection that you and I have, brothers and sisters, against things that come in our way is God's love. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world. What's he telling us? Stick with me. I'll get you through. See, a great thing about God's love, I think one of the greatest things about his love, well, besides that, it's free to us, and it's given without respect to person or accomplishment. But a great thing about God's love is that he holds on to us. I am so Glad about that. Yeah, because I'm pretty fickle sometimes. So God, he holds on to us and he will not let us go no matter what. But I've seen people backslide. If you're his, he will bring you back. Anybody can attest to that? Once you're mine, you're always mine. And Jesus spoke to this. I love it. What? Jesus spoke to this. He said, I discipline those who are my legitimate children. Sometimes we, we, we live in a day of blended families. And often if we get this right, all the kids, whether they came with her or with him, they're all ours. But often I hear the delineation of, well, these are mine and these are hers. And with Jesus, he said, those who are my legitimate. Now, what is he saying? Well, there are children. Well, there are people who look, even sound like they're his children. Sitting in churches all over America. But they're not. They may have a head knowledge about him. But they've never truly asked Jesus Christ to be their personal savior. And to do that, to for that to be accomplished, is I must realize I've sinned. The next thing I must do is determine I don't want to do it anymore. That's called repentance. And I repent from that sin. I confess it to the Father. Ask Him to forgive me for it. And I ask Him to please apply the sacrifice that Jesus did when He died. He didn't die for His sin. He died for, here we go, your sin. And mine. That's what took him to the cross. And we're going to observe that here in just a little bit. He will not let us go. We can never. We can never. Just for those of you who are just praying for me. We can never be separated from the love of God. Now listen. Brothers and sisters, do not base that on your feelings. Hello. How many of you during your how many years of marriage have sometimes felt like, well, I just don't, I don't feel like she's just loving me very well. But she was. You see, love is demonstrated and love is felt. But love is a commitment. Amen. I've known all along that she loved me. Even sometimes when she wouldn't talk with me, I knew she loved me. You know why? Because she stayed with me. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes right now I'm doing some premarital counseling with a sweet couple from our church. And I said, you know, the first thing we got to get through our heads, it's not you and me, it's us. And the other thing we need to make a decision about right now you know, when you go to the car dealer, you need to make a decision what you're going to do before you get there, because if you don't, they're going to make that decision for you. <laughs> All right? And But listen, here's something that, and I told this young couple this the other day, and I, Pastor Larry, bless his heart, he messed with me when he first came here. He said, you know, Toby and I, and he was serious about this. He said, Toby and I talked about divorce one time, and it was before we got married. And we both decided that that's never going to be an option for us. And you know what? It's never been. Now, he did tease me and say, I told her I loved her back then. And if it changes, I'll let her know. (laughs) I said, I know you're messing with me. See, we can never be separated from his love. Is that because of our commitment to him? No, it's because of his commitment to us what this sermon is about this morning is for us to start evaluating and listen to the Holy Spirit and say, what's my commitment to you look like compared to your commitment to me? Moses shared this with the people of Israel, Deuteronomy 31. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread for them. He's talking about the enemy. For it is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. What did Nikki tell? What did he share? The Lord your God is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Man, there's so little in life that we have guarantees about. Let's clutch on. Let's grab some of these this morning. He will leave you. He will never forsake you. You know, sometimes you say, well, I've been speaking, but I don't feel like he's hearing me. Maybe he wants you to speak a little more and a little louder. Oh, he can hear you, but he wants that attention. And he'll get it. He'll get it because he loves you, and he wants you to experience loving him like he loves you. Now, I believe at this point in a sermon that we could say beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves us unconditionally with all his heart. Amen? Amen? I'm not saying there won't be times that you maybe doubt this, or you're going through a tough time. But just know, his word promises he will never leave you or forsake you. And He has proven it by giving his only son, Jesus, to die in our place. That's how much he loved us. You know, he didn't have to do that. After Adam and Eve decided to disobey him, and act in that prideful way which you and I would have done the same thing, God says, I'm not going to leave it like that. I'm a, we're out of fellowship, but I don't like that. I created man to have fellowship with him. I've got a plan to bring him back into fellowship with me. So he's proven it by giving us his only son to die in our place and has promised us that he will always love us. I have never doubted, My wife's love. And I I encourage people, young people especially, don't lose that trust. Trust is hard to earn and it's easy to lose. And when you've lost trust in a relationship, you don't have a relationship. Amen? So, he will always love us and that nothing can separate us from him. I often tease... Folks, I said, you know, I've been married 44 years, and she lets me sleep inside now. And I tease, but I just love her. There's things that I would do for her that I won't do for just anybody. I might, if you ask, and I come over to your house, I might take your trash out, but I'm hoping you don't ask me. But she doesn't have to ask me anymore. She does, did make a request that I don't do the laundry anymore. So here at this point, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to ask and answer some questions with me, okay? Are you loved? Okay, about a third of you are loved. Okay, let me run that again. Are you loved? According to God's word, are you loved? Okay. That's important to know. Is there any doubt in your mind that he loves you? Right now. Has there ever been any doubt in your mind that he loves you? We need to read his word. That's where the assurance comes. Like Larry said, well, I love you, honey, and I'll let you know if it changes. That's not the way God works. He reminds us every time we get in his word how much he loves us. And he wants wants what's best for us. He wants to build us up. Is there any doubt in your mind how much he loves you? You know, we've had, uh, we've, some in, in this uh, sanctuary, this Samaria may have relatives who've died and given their lives for this country. And, and uh, every once in a while I get this picture passes on my Facebook that says there's two people that have died for you. One died for your freedom and the other one died for your eternal life. No greater love. So is, is there anything that you can do to deserve his love or make his love better? Run that by. There's a couple of you. Got it. Is there anything that you deserve to get his love, or is there anything you can do now to improve his love for you? No. He's given you the best right up front. Before we ever knew him, while we were sinners and went ahead and died for us, is there anything you can do to lose his love? Whoa, we got a mixed answer on that one. Who's holding on to you? He is. So it doesn't matter what you do. If you're really his, you can't get away from him. He holds you. You don't hold him. Thank goodness. As a stubborn little one or two-year-old, you ever see them? They think they're smart. They know how to walk now. And they're trying to pull their hand away from their mom and daddy. Don't we act like that? You might think you got your hand out of his, but you don't. He's got a hold of you. Don't make him grab you by the nap of the neck. Last but not least, is there anyone or anything that you love more than Jesus? Don't make a quick decision here. Talk is cheap, folks. See, God wants all of us to know this. Telling him that we love him and showing him, are two very different things. Amen. I was hoping for an amen there. See, he know, he knows the truth. And that morning that I said, God, I, I love you with all my heart. And I think he'd heard that just enough as a knowing father and goes, we need to have a picture lesson. And I'm going to tell you what, a cold chill came over my my mind and my heart to think. Because God is a jealous God. Hello. He said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And boy, he had hit home with me. Because it wasn't my car, wasn't my motorcycle, wasn't my beautiful hairline, wasn't any of those great things that I have that are my idols. He knew. He knew and he, he knows who I love most. And he wasn't comfortable allowing me to continue believing that. So the question is is there anyone or anything that you love more than him? He knows the truth and he wants you and I to see and know the truth. I, I want you to listen to what Jesus said to Peter. You know, Peter was so outspoken. He'd flip you an answer in a minute, and most of the time they weren't right. He was eager to speak, but he finally learned. Now, the setting for this story that I'm going to read is after Jesus has been crucified, he was risen from the dead, and this is shortly before he left. He appeared on the beach, and they had breakfast with the disciples. Listen to what Jesus said to Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, he said to them, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You know, I've read that passage many times and I missed, I believe, the biggest principle in that passage. Why? Why did Jesus ask Peter, this question three times. I'll tell you why. You see a blank at the bottom of your listener's guide. Peter, don't tell me you love me. Show me. That's the principle I believe that Jesus was wanting Peter to see. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. And so I wrote on the bottom of my Paul don't tell me you love me, show me. And I would challenge you to do that and make that your prayer. God, help me. You know, I want us to pause what we're doing right now and just be still. So often we can't hear the Holy Spirit because we don't stop thinking about what we're wanting to think about or we're looking around. So I'm just going to ask you right now to be still before the Lord. And my recommendation is you close your eyes and open your ears and heart. And listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and I this morning. See, I believe that what he's asking each of us is what or who Do you love more than me? Blessed Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to speak to our hearts and identify anything that has come between you and before you in our lives. Please let us see this morning the truth for what it is. And please help us to put it in its proper place, behind you. This I ask for your glory and honor, and in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if God has identified something to you, that you are loving more than him, And you are willing to surrender that to him and give him his rightful place in your life. And I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at. Stand up right where you're at. If if there's something that you've loved more than him and he's pointed it out to you and you're willing to give it to him this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to say that one more time. Thank you. It's time to be honest, folks. You're not lying to me. You're lying to God if you say there's nothing more important in your life than Jesus Christ. Because our actions show it. Our lack of commitment shows it. Our lack of love shows it. Our priorities are wrong. We want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We got to get attuned to him. Let him speak to us and obey him. Would you pray with me? Father, you see those who are standing. You see us who are standing this morning. There are, There's something or some things in our life that have become more important than you. And Lord, we're sorry for that. We want to give them to you this morning, whatever they are whoever they are, give them to you and say, Father, please help us to love you like you love us. God, give us your strength. Give us your power through the blessed Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for your willingness, please be seated. Thank you for your willingness to listen to the Holy Spirit. May God richly bless you in the days ahead as you walk and talk with him.